Radio. If I touch my shoulder, it would touch my hair. Starts now. And I said, what the hell is that? Spirits and more radio starts now. And welcome to our 13th episode of Spirits and More Radio. Something is flying in the skies over Chicago, and uh, we're going to try and get into what exactly it might be. Stick with us, you're listening to Spirits and More Radio. Turn down the lights, if you dare. Spirits and More Radio. And I'm your host, Steve Rowan, and welcome to Spirits and More Radio, where we talk about everything paranormal and uh, just out of this world. So um, thank you for listening. I just wanted to start by uh, thanking our supporters and also all of those who have given us a review on uh, Apple uh, reviews for, for podcasting. Uh, love it. It's great. We like to hear your feedback. Uh, so this is the 13th show and, uh, it's been, it's been good. You know, every single time I do a show, I go, God, how am I going to top that show? (laughs) And, uh, we seem to be able to find, uh, find interesting people and interesting topics. So, uh, what we're going to talk about today is, uh, flying humanoids. So these are, uh, things flying in the sky that look sort of like a human, but not quite. Uh, and they've been spotted, uh, at least in Chicago, a lot here in the last few, uh, days or weeks, months, I guess. Uh, but anyway, it is the 13th show. And so, um, let's try and get through this. I'm not real superstitious, but I'm hoping that we're not going to have, uh, any sort of, um, technical difficulties. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this show is happening. You guys, I have to tell you, uh, I don't get too personal on these shows, but, uh, I will share with you that, uh, I've been, I've been stuck in bed (laughs) for the last 10 days. I've, uh, had issues, back issues, sciatica since 2007 and, uh, two back surgeries. And, uh, and anyway, uh, I may be in store for my third back surgery. Uh, uh, but right now at this moment, I've made my way over to my little studio in my house and I've, I've got some, uh, good, uh, pain medication in me right now. So hopefully, uh, this show will go off without a hitch, no technical issues. Uh, we're not superstitious. 13 is going to be a great show. Uh, we have Lon Strickler with us today and he is, um, uh, he's the guy he's behind this really cool website, you guys. And, uh, he's been, he's been into this all the time and he's been doing lots of podcasting. So I feel very comfortable with him as my guest today for this 13th show. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's get into that. I want to invite, uh, or, uh, welcome Lon Strickler to the show. Lon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. So, uh, why don't you tell, uh, tell people about the website you do? Tell what, what's it about? Well, Phantoms and Monsters is a, um, it's a blog, basically. I started back in 2005, but uh, I also offer a free newsletter that goes out practically daily, five times a week, plus one on the weekend. And, um, you know, I, I kind of report a little bit of everything. I've, I've been investigating the paranormal for almost 40 years now and uh i guess at collecting all these stories over all the years and me having my own experiences and such uh, i decided in 2005 after some encouragement by a few other people that i'd start posting on a blog i see and, you know, it's increasing it's increased fairly steady since then yeah, you know, you know what's cool, Lon, is um, it's so kind of in vogue right now with all these ghost shows that a lot of people 
have gotten excited about the paranormal and I think they see this equipment on TV and they get excited about that and they want to run out and set all this stuff up and start investigating. So to talk to someone like yourself who's been doing this for 40 years before there was all that stuff and before it was popular and before everybody was excited about it uh, is really cool because uh, your perspective from 40 years ago, I mean, you pro probably, I don't know, was it difficult back then to even find someone to kind of come along with you or investigate this stuff well i, I did it you for the most part on my own i um after i graduated from high school back in uh the mid 70s i kind of struck out on my own though you know it was something i was doing part-time of course i had to work like everybody else but you know when there was i had moved to maryland and um I was living down there, but I was started getting telephone calls from uh, from individuals that were having problems with uh, spiritual activity within their house or their work or wherever. And uh, word, you know, word of mouth got around because you know the parent, you know, investigating the paranormal was something that was very rare back then. I mean, there were people that did it, but it's not like it is now. And uh, I was starting to get a reputation to uh, that I would be able to help people with some of their uh, some of their problems as far as infestations or attachments. And uh, I started working with uh, uh, some people, and uh, you know, I I did it kind of here and there for many many years. And uh, I had a few harrowing cases, but, you know, I, I sometimes have somebody come with me, but I just kind of, you know, it was just one of these things that, I, you know, I'd do a case here and there, and, you know, it was just uh, no big deal. Yeah, and it must have been a lot different. <clears throat> I mean, you're probably talking about the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, back then, I mean, when you went into, when someone called you and said, uh, hey, we're having a problem, I heard you might be able to help us, uh, you know, when you show up back then, it was probably, what, just a notepad and and uh, and maybe a tape recorder? Because, I mean, even back then, uh, you know, a portable video camera was a, a expensive deal. Well, I, I'm intuitive, and I've been, I've known I was an intuitive since I was about eight years old. So it was basically a matter of going to a home. Let's say I had there was a haunting in a home, and I'm going into a home and just going through the house, talking to the witnesses, and trying to get a sense of what was going on, and uh, worked with what I picked up during the process. So you would use more of your intuition than, uh, say physical looking at you know looking for observation of a ghost i mean more of your information came from your intuitive type uh uh connection you have yeah it was it was both you know it was uh intuitive and uh, as well as observation i see and um when did you first realize you had an, an extra sort of uh in, intuitive intuitive uh capability i was eight years old i was out at gettysburg uh, battlefield and um, I used to go out there a lot when I was a kid because I lived down the road and I used to take my get on my bike and ride to the battlefield and um, one day I was out in an area where they call uh, Death Valley which was in between uh, Devil's Den and Little Round Top and I was on my bike just observing looking around and I just started to sense uh the activity during a battle and it was so real I, I all my senses were heightened i was uh hearing gunfire cannon fire uh i was seeing apparitions i was sensing all kinds of different things smells of gunpowder blood hearing yells and screams and it was uh it was an eye-opening experience basically and that was really the first time I started to be able to realize I was picking these things up. Now, of course, when I was younger, you know, there'd be something here and there I would 
you know, and I really think much about it, but that day was the really the day that opened my eyes. And I have to ask, I mean, was it, was it somewhat frightening or did you, I mean, what did you think? I mean, did you think, whoa, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hallucinating. I'm what it, what is going on? Because that's so uh, removed from the standard experience people have. Uh, and you were young. So, I mean, did you really understand what was happening? Did you tell your parents about this or? I, um, I, I really don't remember how I felt other than I was intrigued because I had no problem about going back. I see. Uh, I did, you know, I went back and, I didn't experience, I will say, I didn't experience all the time. It just seemed at certain times I would start experiencing um, activity. And, uh, yeah, I did, I did mention something to my, my parents, though. I only kind of a cursory type of mention about it. Uh, and I really don't think they took it too serious. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um so, so after that point, um, let's fast forward, let's zoom ahead. Uh, tell me about your first paranormal experience that was, um, when I say paranormal, I say maybe like ghostly experience, spirit type experience. Uh, what was the first thing that you personally experienced? Well, yeah, I, you know, I was, like I said, I was experiencing, activity and seeing apparitions and feeling feeling the spirit energy then but i had a and it's kind of a funny story but i had an experience back in 69 i was um i was 11 or 12 and i was in fifth grade at the time and what happened was we had a um i lived in a town called hanover which is just west of Gettysburg and I had a teacher by name and I'll, I'll just refer to him as Mr. Z um, he was a devout church going guy strict disciplinarian and he was really into American history I mean big time so he he was also a friend of my parents I didn't particularly like the guy to <laughs> be honest with you but uh, it, it was because there was always something that just rubbed me about him the wrong way and anyway uh there was one thing that was required when you were a student at mr z was you had to memorize and recite the gettysburg address i mean he was laughing about it and uh you know and for those students who could do it we got a field trip to gettysburg battlefield near the end of school year so, a few weeks prior to the field trip, uh, we had this big, intense study of the three-day battle with all the particulars, and uh, which was fine with me because, quite frankly, I was into history anyway, and I, I knew a little bit about the battle, and I was aware of the battle. I was out there a lot, and you know, so and he knew that I did know a lot about what had what had happened. So, on that day. Uh, the discussion centered around the high number of deaths that occurred during the battle and, you know, how the wounded and de dead were dealt with. And I remember him asking me, Lon, uh, what was the result of the carnage at Gettysburg? And, you know, I think he was trying to say that, or hoping I would answer the development of the Sanitary Commission and such after the battle but instead i answered ghost and I, I i'll never forget the look he gave me needless to say he the uh answer got me a conference with Mr. Z <laughs> the class so uh after everybody had left school uh he instructed me to wait in the classroom and you know i had no idea what was going to happen so a few minutes later he and my mother walked into the classroom and he explained to her what I said and told her that he didn't appreciate my wise ass remark. Um, I didn't say anything other than apologize and promise never to talk about it again. So when I got home, my mother, she didn't really say much about it. 
So, um, you know, we really never discussed it. So anyway, the next day, my classmates and I got on the bus. We headed to Gettysburg. And we got there, a National Park Service guide boarded the bus. And actually, the whole affair was kind of old hat to me, but I remained quiet during the day out of the classroom. You know, I wasn't in school, so I was fine. So after about an hour or so, we were... We arrived at a very familiar and probably my favorite location on Battlefield, uh, which was Death Valley. And uh, this included the wheat field and other areas leading up to Devil's Den. And soon after stopping at these locations and listening to the tour guy, we, uh, we made our way up to Little Round Top. And at that time, we were allowed to get off the bus and stretch our legs a bit. So we started walking around the summit, a little round top, looking into the battlefield and such. So eventually, we went on the back side of it, and an area called uh, Pathway goes to the 20th Main Monument. So we trekked that short distance over there, and uh, there's a small stone wall, which was the, the uh, actual battle line. And uh, we stood and looked for a few minutes when Mr. Z walked up to me and smirked, uh, where are those ghosts? I mean, this is in front of all my classmates. And I was embarrassed. I really wow. was. And, <laughs> and they started teasing me and laughing and such. So Mr. Z, Mr. Z had leisurely walked away with his hands in his pocket and a big smile on his face. And, you know, he he thought he really got over on me. So he was standing by himself beside the 20th Main Monument when suddenly I heard him yell out. I had turned around and watched him tumble headfirst down the hillside until he got to the bottom. And he eventually got back on his feet, struggling to get back up to the pathway. Uh, the tour guide asked he was all right. The first thing he said out of his mouth was, Someone pushed me, <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. I tried to hide the smile on my face. Uh, he had torn the inseam of his pants, and she had a pretty nasty bump on his head. And after making an attempt to straighten himself out, he shot a quick, pissed-off glance at me. You know, I was still smiling, but he never said one word to me about it again. Because in fact, I, I you know I never I didn't I never saw him again until after the last day of school. Anyway, he was right. He was pushed, but it wasn't me or anybody else who pushed. It was the uh, ghost that I saw standing beside him at the mine. Me give him a good push. Wow! So you saw this ghost, and then <clears throat> this. You know what? That I mean, that's that's kind of interesting because in the sense of like this ghost isn't just one of these apparitions that you see in sort of a loop. You're saying this was a spirit you could see that was uh, apparently dialed into what was going on and gave this Absolutely. guy a push I for you. He, I think this spirit sensed what was going on wow. for whatever reason. I, you know, I had been in that area so many times before that. I don't know if it was like he was going to, he was, you know, uh, exacting my revenge or whatever, but uh, I saw him get pushed. Wow. Unbelievable. We're with Lon Strickler, you guys. He's with Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, he's been uh, observing the paranormal his whole life, and uh, we're going to be right back after this break. I'd just like to uh, let some people know, Lon, we had somebody on um, on Periscope wondering what part of the country you're from. Can you tell us real quick? Yeah, I live in Hanover, Pennsylvania, which is um, just west, of, about 13 miles, 10 to 13 miles west of Gettysburg, okay. east of Gettysburg, excuse me, east of Gettysburg, and uh, I actually just moved back up here about a year and a half ago. I was living down in Maryland near Baltimore for about 40 years. Okay. All right, you guys, we will be right back after this break. Stay with us. Spirits and more radio. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
And you're listening to Spirits and More Radio. We're joined by Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. And uh, today uh, we are listen- We are here to talk about something flying over the skies in Chicago. And uh, Lon, I know you have a really, really spooky story, uh, ghost story that I want you to share. We'll do that later in the show. And you guys stick around because you've probably never heard a story like what happened to Lon. So um, anyway, uh, let's get on to what's flying in the skies, Lon. Uh, tell us, uh, I guess, guess, give me a uh, real quick, uh, your background or experience with this phenomenon. I know that you, you document reports and people actually send in reports to you is that right yeah this is um this is actually something that started back in 2011 um i was told about uh this flying humanoid flying being that was being seen throughout chicago well in certain parts of chicago and in fact back in 2011 there were only three sightings of this being but it's very similar to what's being experienced now. Uh, so starting in early April of this year, there was a report that came from the Lincoln Park area, Oz Park area, and actually in Oz Park by a witness who had seen a, um, a six or seven foot tall dark colored being standing in the park. And this woman who had been walking her dog came upon it it was in the evening and uh when she saw it she stood there and was watching the dog was scared to death i mean this is a little jack russell but he was not you know you know usually pretty protective but he was cowering behind her i mean this it scared him so um after a while she was standing there watching it and this thing then turned towards her and then she noticed the ruby red eyes uh, that shot at her and looked at her. And as she was watching this thing, just shot straight up in the air, let out a screech, unfurled its wings, and took off. God, you know, I so it made sound. Huh? I mean, I've heard of this. I've heard of this thing, but I didn't know that that it made sounds like a screech. Yeah, I mean, there are some of the sightings where it has made a, a brief sound, uh, but this this first sighting there was a uh, there was a brief screech sound, um, and, it, and you know we also got about a few other reports where it had make a made a screeching sound. So um, yeah, so this year so far, we've documented what well, our last documentation was nine days ago. So we've documented. Uh, 40 cases that's probably the most that's ever happened in any point in history would you agree yeah it probably is i mean this is um i mean it's nothing i mean it's comparable to only the point pleasant sightings i think i don't know of any other group of sightings in a specific area that is this large uh so it's it's an historic i believe it's an historical uh, group of uh, sightings and encounters. You know, it's interesting. We just had somebody on Periscope say that uh, you know that there's uh, that the devil is in Chi Town. They said uh, because of the negativity and stuff. Is there any evidence that sightings of this thing sort of uh, culminate around negative events or or uh, any you know things like that? You know, I, that's a question I get asked a lot. I, I don't believe for the most part this harbinger of doom thing that got tagged onto the uh the mothman back in 67 it kind of seems that anytime anybody sees a a flying humanoid or like a mothman like being they're always thought to be uh a portent of disaster of some type i don't i don't know if i i don't really buy into that Though the, the number of sightings in the Chicago area is very interesting because we all know Chicago's had issues uh, with the murder rate, high murder rate, the problems economically. And uh, I mean, it's a dysfunctional city, more or less. And it does seem that these type of sightings do occur 
in areas, depressed areas, um, for the most part, are people that have dysfunctional uh, life and such. Kind of, it does kind of gravitate to that. But I, I don't believe personally, and I'm not going to come out and say it's not going to happen. But it, I don't believe it has anything to do with any type of uh, uh, harbinger. Now, you mentioned the word Mothman, and that is um, a very, this is probably the most popular term. Um, Most people don't refer to it as flying humanoid. There's the Mothman. But the question is, is there more than one flying humanoid that's been spotted and sighted? Or is it always the similar, like we posted a picture on Twitter uh, of sort of this human shape without the best way to describe is without a head where the eyes are sort of in the chest with the wings, which is why I think people call it the Mothman. But uh, is there more than one flying humanoid case, or are they all centered around this same description of this thing? Oh, there are different descriptions. I mean, I, I get people that refer to these things as gargoyles, actually. and uh, But some have different style of wings, um, some had called it a, a huge flying owl or a mothman or uh just and for the most part the sightings in chicago have been described as a large uh human with bat bat like wings with membrane wings so uh, there are various type there are various descriptions in in these particular sightings and actually over the years uh, there had been some some variations that have been reported to me over the years. And when you get a report from somebody, um, is there, do you have any technique to sort of uh, separate out maybe what you would consider to be an authentic account versus somebody who maybe um, is having some fun? Well, we do try to, uh, and I'm not the only one doing this. Um, gentleman by the name of Manuel Navarrete who has UFO Clearinghouse and he lives in Melrose Park in the Chicago area. Uh, he has been gathering reports as well. But basically, when a report comes in, uh, we like to talk to the witness if we can. I, I always at least try to, to get some more feedback by email. If they don't want to talk, well, there's not much you can do about that. You try to get as much information you can through email. But uh, I, I do like to talk to them. Yeah. And the one thing about the witnesses that we have been talking to in the Chicago area, and it's fairly remarkable, is that they have not been embellishing on their original statements. You know, you try to get them to, you know, you try to make a suggestion, well, did it look like this? Did it look like, you know, and it, they stick with what they tell you. I see. So you can, and I know that's to be true too. When you speak with someone and you can hear them and it's even better if you can see them as you can, uh, you know, we're humans. We're good at, uh, the little details, even if we don't know exactly what it is and you being intuitive, you know, might even give you a leg up in the sense that you can not only see them, if you can see them, hear them, you know, sort of test them on their on their uh, information and your intuition. You probably get a good idea if they're being authentic. Uh, we're here with uh, Lon Strickler, Phantoms and Monsters, and we're talking about the Mothman um, who's been sighted over Chicago. Uh, we're going to be right back after this break, so stick with us. Spirits and more radio. Listen to it, or I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. Hey, if you're like me, when you first went to get a fog machine, you had no idea which one to get. I mean, you can get one for 30 bucks all the way up to a couple hundred bucks. Well, listen, HalloweenPartyDeals.com takes the guesswork out of which fog machine is going to be best for you. Go on there, check out what they have to say about them. They'll help you get exactly what you need. All right, that's HalloweenPartyDeals.com. HalloweenPartyDeals.com.
Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down in Memphis Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky and you're listening to Spirits and More Radio. Uh, we're talking about flying humanoids uh, with Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, Lon, so we were talking about that. And you know that song I was just playing, The Milky Way Tonight, I think about looking up into the dark night sky. Um, are most of these sightings in the evening, at night, or in the daytime? Um, for the most part, most of them are during the night. I see. And, and that would lend hand to this idea of the red eyes. Are there always red eyes in these reports? Not always. Um, only, you know, only if it shows itself. Most of the time it, it does try to seem like it tries to keep away from looking at the, the witnesses. But the red eyes have been noticed several times. You know, and it's interesting because I know, <clears throat> you know, in nature, animals... Uh, some of them are very, you know, it's just a, a part of their survival. They have these instincts and they have tactics to not be seen. Uh, I know even, you know, of the flying things we know about, like birds, uh, you can be walking in the forest and, and, you know, an owl sleeps in the daytime. And a lot of times they're sitting right in the trees sleeping and people walk by and don't see them because they blend in so well. So you would think this thing, you know, this thing would really have to, um, uh, you know, be active to capture someone's attention. If it didn't want to be seen, it probably won't be seen. Yeah, I, I think this thing wants to be seen for the most part. I really do. Um, it, it's not being shy because it, there are many times this thing has been been witnessed by a, a multitude of people at one time. Um, yeah, it, it it doesn't. It's not shy, though. I do believe, in some instances, it it's it will show itself to certain people. Now, why I believe that, I really don't know. I just get that sense. So I I don't know. You know, and that's something we've been trying to to figure out why it's uh, you know. Not only the different locations it's being showed at, but why it shows itself to certain numbers of people, and then it seems some crowds only a couple of people can see it. So, so there yeah. have, there have been. Tell me about that. Tell me about an incident where there was a group of people because you know anything to do with the paranormal. I think there's going to be some skepticism. You know, did someone really see that or not? You know, and uh, when you have uh, group collaboration. That's that's interesting. I find that to be uh, you know more, less disputable. So tell us about an incident uh, where multiple people saw this thing that you're aware of or had been reported to you. Well, there are uh, there are actually two that I can that kind of stand out. the uh, The first one was the uh, was at the Adler Planetarium, which is sits out on a peninsula out in the lake and. Uh, this was in the evening, and there were there were a lot of people out there by the uh, food court area of the uh, planetarium. So this one group, and I don't know how many people were out there, but there were a lot of people out there. So there was this one group that made the, the initial sighting who had seen it, and uh, they all saw, everybody in the group saw, but they, they noticed also that there were other people around them that were commenting on it as well so um, we got the one report from the one individual of this small group so we didn't hear anything else from anyone about till about a week later uh someone who verified and described what they saw was very similar to what the other witness had seen same time and you know so that we had two separate witnesses there 
the other incident was in Auburn Gresham neighborhood where a group of people had flagged down a police officer and his partner. It was a pretty good sized group of people because they were all upset because of this thing had flown on top of a building. It was a three-story apartment building. And uh, the, they flagged down the police officer. They came over, saw it, and watched it actually unfurl its wings and take off and let out a screech as well. And the police officer sent us the report. Wow. So um, about a week or so after that, I received another report from that same incident from one uh another group of uh young people who were who had come across this thing before the police had gotten there and this being had actually been seen in the neighborhood for two days prior to that as well jeez that uh, i didn't know that that's uh that's remarkable that there's a police report do you have that police report you you do it sounds like well we got we got the personal statement from the police officer he sent us a personal report but the city is not being that cooperative now he said he um he did file a report he 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 said point blank he filed a report with the uh with the police you know the police department but we have sent foia um request actually we have sent four of them and if you're familiar with Freedom of Information Act, when you send an application, it takes forever for it to get back to you. Well, we were getting these back in two days or less. Huh. And every one of them said they, the report had not come in. So it was almost like they were flagging these things as they were coming in. <clears throat> I see. But because it, of it's the... Been, it's been our... And it's been our... You know, from what we heard from other city workers, people working local government and other police officers that the city is well aware of these sightings. Jeez. Is there any um, geographic boundaries to these sightings? Well, there have been sightings outside of the city. Most of them have been in the city limit, but we are getting, we have had sightings in the in, North uh, West Indiana, which is just over the line city line actually and uh there have been a couple sightings south and west of uh the city as well so there hasn't been anything uh far out to the midwest or the western states mm, oh no i mean we you know as far as what we can determine is part of this no i see is that do you think that's because there's well this thing is being seen in cities i mean where could it be sleeping you know uh if the city was backed up against a big forested area you think it could go and and dive and hide in there easily and sleep at night well there are a couple theories on this um some of the sightings from in down in the lakeshore area people have noticed that this being has been coming out from under some of the overpasses or bridges that run along the um, uh, North Lakeshore Drive. Now, we we do know that there are some underground facilities, underground tunnels in the area. Uh, historically, th- that is known. Though, how they would get access and the ability to get out of those, I don't know, because they they're all shut up and. Uh, you know, you got to have authorization to get in there to even, you know, go into the. They can't get in there because the accesses are cut off. So, um, you know, that's one theory. My theory is, and what I believe, and people I'm working with have also expressed they believe this as well that this may be some type of uh, extra dimensional travel. Uh, some kind of being that moves between worlds, alternate universe, alternate reality. So more of a uh, supernatural being as opposed to a physical uh, species that just hasn't been discovered or officially documented. Well, I had no doubt it's living being, uh, it's a flesh and blood being, but it's got the ability, just like a lot of times when people talk about Bigfoot and other cryptids that just seem to disappear, just, you know, go out of sight. I I believe this very well may be something similar, that it uh, has the ability to uh, move between worlds somehow 
and it's 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 making fleeting sightings and then taking off again. Uh, and actually, I, I don't believe this is just one being that people are seeing. I, I believe it's at least three of three beings that have been seen, if not more. I mean, it's uh, the descriptions vary somewhat. The areas that it's being seen are quite different um, geographically and what is in the areas. And, uh, you know, I, I just believe it's, it's just it's just different beings. And why they're coming out there, I have no idea. Well, <clears throat> when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, <clears throat> you know, also we're crossing into the lines of, maybe extraterrestrial beings, you know, is this a possibility of something with that capability um, coming from even further away than, than we imagine? Uh, or as you say, extra dimensional being that, no, it's the same, <clears throat> same time and space, just overlapping sort of thing. It could be either. And, you know, I don't discount anything at this point. <clears throat> Yeah, someone uh, someone on our Periscope wondered if they're breeding. Um, it could be a family of them, do, do you think? I guess. Uh, you know, I guess that, that, that's possible. Um, though I, I don't believe that would be the case. I think these, I think these beings have been summoned somehow into, into this reality. Um, I, I've always thought going back to the Mothman case, which is something I've always been interested in, uh, that the Mothman being was actually uh, an extra-dimensional type being that was summoned into this reality by some type of uh, corporal, non-corporal being. Um, I believe there's a relationship between the Mothman and these these flying beings, I think there's a relationship to spiritual or non-spiritual uh, entities that somehow have the ability to move them in and out. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to take a quick break right now, you guys. We're here with uh, Long Strickler, and you can check out his stuff at Phantoms and Monsters website. Uh, that's a dot .com, I assume. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that loan, but uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, so, Samsmonster.com. And there's uh, not only the Mothman and flying humanoids, but uh, there's there's uh, reports of all kinds of things. So uh, check his website out. Uh, we will be right back. You are listening to Spirits and More Radio. Have a paranormal story? Tell us at SpooksAndSpirits.com. You know, it's sort of disturbing. Uh, I, we, I think we've got some shared consensus here with our, our audience. Uh, we're simulcasting uh, not only on Periscope, but also onto uh, internet radio as well. And this, <clears throat> this broadcast is being recorded, and it will be available on a podcast. So you can hear the whole, uh, well, you can't hear the whole enchilada necessarily, but you can, you can get the first hour on the podcast, uh, which we want like to get all the all the meat into and then uh if lon and i ramble on and you're a supporter of ours uh you'll get the extra extended uh podcast uh where you can hear us talk as long as we want to talk so um anyway um spirits and more is where you do that we also have a phone number it's 872 2 ghosts 
So uh, that's 8722-GHOST. You can call that phone number if you experience anything paranormal. Leave that story and we might get you on the show or at least share your uh, experience uh, if you leave the recorded message. Uh, you can also, Lon, tell them how they can get in touch with you. Well, they can call me direct at uh, 410-241-5974 or they can send an email to Lon Strickler at phantomsandmonsters.com. Okay, perfect. So um, now, you know, we talked about geographically this thing uh, sort of being contained to one area, um, but the original Mothman story goes back to 1966. Maybe for those who who aren't in tune with this thing, and today is the first time they've heard Mothman, um, maybe you can share what that what that was. Yeah, there was a, um, for whatever reason, some groups of uh, young adults uh, started experiencing, started encountering this um, this huge moth-like humanoid in and around the uh, West Virginia Ordnance Works area, or the TNT area, they call it now. But um, it was a, uh, a munitions factory outside of uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it was more like a lover's lane thing uh, where these kids would go and hang out at night. So whatever, the, the, actually the, the first sighting was a group of four, two, two boys and two girls that were out in their car. And uh, this thing swooped down and landed in front of the car and scared the bejesus out of these people. They got in a car, took off, and started heading down, which was uh, Potter Creek Road, which is the access road into the area. And this thing was chasing them the whole way out to the highway. Jesus. So they actually made a report with the police department, and word got around town. So, of course, everybody... Who had the nerve made a trip down to the TNT plant and other people were having the same experience um, it happened you know there were a lot of reports I believe maybe 15 to 20 of those reports were were actual reports but this all started going on for about a year or so until uh, December 15th of uh, 1967 this uh, the bridge expand the uh, Ohio River at Point Pleasant collapsed and it was it had a lot of cars and 46 people actually lost their lives and <clears throat> some people had stated that they saw this mothman in the area of the bridge sometime before the collapse so i guess as an excuse for why the bridge collapsed uh the mothman got tagged as a harbinger of disaster so um that's how the story came about i see and it was at that time that the the label mothman was first heard yeah that's when it was uh the moniker of mothman was used Ah, uh, okay. Um, is there any reason why you think that the Mothman is contained to that area there? You know, you talk about it being sent to our planet. Uh, and, you know, you got to wonder why, why there? Why Chicago? Why, the, why uh, West Virginia? And not anywhere else. You know, why is it contained there as opposed to uh, something with that capability to move around? I mean, you know, birds migrate across the country. Whales migrate across the oceans. Uh, why is the Mothman only there? Well, it's not. I mean, I've received hundreds of reports worldwide of similar type beings. Um, here in Pennsylvania, I've received lots of the reports even nearby, I had an experience in nearby here as well with a similar type being back in 88. So, uh, 
you know, this isn't confined just to West Virginia and what's going on in Chicago. Uh, this has been going on for many years in lots of different areas. And what was your, you said you had a direct experience with Mothman? I had an experience with a flying being that was very similar in, in, in the description of Mothman, yeah. Uh, back in eight, back in 1966, me and two other gentlemen. What? What? Where were you? What happened? Okay. Well, this happened at um, an area called Camp Conewago. Now, Camp Conewago is a, a Boy Scout camp that's been around for oh, it's over a century. It's um, it's just located north of New Oxford, Pennsylvania. It's actually about. Well, I'd say about 14, 15 miles from where I live right now. Anyway, it's, um, I had, I was in living in Baltimore at the time or just outside of Baltimore. And I ran into a friend of mine who lived here in Pennsylvania, who I knew from when I was a kid, we were in Boy Scouts together. Well, he was a, he was a scout leader at the time. And we were at a um, we were at a an exhibition in Timonium, Maryland, for the Boy Scouts, and uh, he was there with his his guys. And we were sitting down and talking. He was, you know, he knew about me investigating paranormal, so uh, he mentioned to me about some incidents that had occurred at Camp Conewago, and uh, he was going to look into it and these kids were hearing screaming sounds like screams of a baby or a small child. So he and a friend of his were going to go out there and he wanted to know if I'd come up and, and look into it myself. I said, yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll come out and look. So that next Friday, uh, we met the campground and, um, you know, he asked me, he said, well, we're going to stay the weekend. Uh, you, you know, can you stay with, us? I said, yeah, I'm game. I'm, you know, I wanted to see what was going on as well. So we made our way to the campsite, which was in the woods, uh, where actually the small Conewago and the regular stream, regular creek meet. So uh, we set our, set our camp, set the tents up. It was about 7 o'clock that evening, and uh, so we just, you know, we just stayed around camp and started we're talking all night. Nothing, nothing in particular was going on. So... Um, the next morning, when we woke up, the other gentleman, one of the other gentlemen who was with us, stated that wanted to know if he heard We all heard footsteps at night, and uh, I heard it, but I just thought one of them was up using the latrine or something. Even then, and Andy, my other friend, didn't. Uh, my friend, he didn't hear anything. He slept through it. So, anyway, that. Uh, it was a nice day, so we were going to go out in the woods and go around the area and just check things out, see if we saw anything. You know, I had a I had a funny feeling, being intuitive, that I something was watching us. That's just the way I felt the whole weekend. But anyway, we uh, we went around, you know, we went through the woods a couple miles that day. Finally, got back about six. We were sitting around camp just talking, um, talking about football, I think, and. Uh, Later that evening, we were sitting there, and we heard something scream out upstream. And, it, you know, I thought maybe it was an owl or whatever was making it. But it, we heard it again, and it distinctly sounded like a child screaming. So we couldn't tell how far away it was. So we just sat there, and I got up and started walking around. I came back and I told him, I said, you know, I just got this real funny feeling. Something is watching us. So it was about one o'clock in the morning. So we got up and started walking along the trail and we didn't get, a, we didn't get, uh, upstream too far before we noticed something standing in the Creek. Now it was, it was a full moon that night and Whatever what was standing there, we saw the we saw the outline though. It was dark. It was pretty good size, and I'd say at least six foot tall. By the time we got our flashlights on it, we looked. We saw these big red eyes. I mean, bright 
red eyes looking at us. We started to put the flashlight on it, and this thing shot straight up in the air, let out a screech, and just took off. And we started hear we heard this sound of a child crying going off in, in and out, going off in the distance. Uh, we got back to the camp, and those guys were freaked. Well, Andy was freaked. The other guy was pretty calm. Andy wasn't even talking. So uh, uh, we tried. I tried to get these guys to talk about it. Uh, the other John was the guy who was with us. He said that he had noticed something in the back of it, like some type of structure, and I, I saw it as well. It, it did remind you of wings that were tucked behind the back. Andy wouldn't even talk, so he wanted to leave. <laughs> so yeah. Him and John, they actually left that night and went up into the administration building on top of the hill and stayed there for now. I wanted to see what was going on. So I stayed at camp, but uh, nothing else happened that night. And over the years, you know, I, I remembered this. I had, hadn't talked to a few people about it, but I hadn't posted anywhere. So, and, you know, having the blog in 2008, I decided to post the story. And I got a pretty quick response from a gentleman who lived at Dick's Dam, which was just downstream. And he told me he had been hearing that sound for years. Now, this is 20 years after we had our experience. So, um, he, you know, he got back to me. Then not long after that, I got a, um, I got an email from a, from a spout, uh, scout leader who told me they were just at Camp Conewago a couple weeks prior and that they had a, the kids in his troop were all frantic and said they saw a dragon in on the trail. They said this thing looked like a dragon and it had feathers on it. But, you know, he thought they were pulling his leg. He, you know, he didn't yeah. really make much of it. He just thought they were lying to him and messing with him. Until he read what I had posted. So then he knew maybe they did see something. So over the years now, uh, I have received five very good reports up and along the Conewago Creek of people seeing something very similar to this. Wow. And I know for those who are listening, uh, if you go uh, to Phantoms and Monsters, uh, one of the things that Lon does is he takes uh, a lot of time to <clears throat> pull up a satellite map and mark it uh, for a lot of these um, sightings so you can you can see exactly where people were and, and what they saw. You know, as I listen to what you're saying, Lon, there's two things that stand, well, three things I'm thinking of. Uh, one, uh, the similarities between this thing and an owl uh, in the sense of the screeching and the baby crying, um, mm -hmm. that I, I've heard, and you can you can listen on YouTube. There are owls, and and gosh, they sure sound like somebody being murdered off in the distance. Uh, and that's uh, you know, uh, so here we have that, and then the feathers on this thing, you know, which leads us to believe it's like a bird type creature, uh, you know, is interesting. But the twist of it all is when you talk about it in the river shooting straight up, and just like uh, other observations have seen it shoot straight up, uh, we know birds don't shoot straight up like that. You know, uh, winged creatures don't have the ability to thrust high in the air, uh, as I'm imagining it when you say that. So it's almost, I think that's where the supernatural twist comes in too, is maybe some uh, capabilities beyond just the physical wings. Yeah, that's the remark, most remarkable aspect of this thing, that it, it has the ability to propel itself without using its wings. Uh, people have noticed in, in the Chicago sightings that it, it will glide, but there's nothing to glide on. There's no thermals or anything. It'll be low to the ground, and its wings will be spread, but it's not flapping them. Yeah. But it's moving at a good clip, and it's able to descend and ascend without flapping its wings now it does flap its wings on occasion but it, it does move off at a good clip 
Wow. You know, we're going to take our one-hour break here. We're with Lon Strickler, uh, Phantoms and Monsters. We're talking about the Mothman and uh, flying humanoids on today's show. Uh, But we're going to get into, before this is over, Lon is going to tell his personal ghost story, which uh, I read on his site, and it's it's, uh, really something. So uh, stick with us. Uh, Lon, we're going to get our little break here. We're going to play the whole song. So we're going to bathroom break and some water here, and we will be right back after this. Stay with us. And we are at the one hour mark. This fascinating interview does continue for our full access overtime members. To get full access, simply go to our website at spiritsandmoreradio.com. Under the full access section, you'll see an orange Patreon button. Click on that to find out more and hear the rest of the show. You can also join our live broadcast alert list. We email the day of the show when we are going to broadcast live so you can tune in and hear the full show and also have the opportunity to call in. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Open all the doors and let you out in 